You're listening to the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, a show that shines a light on mental health in the sports community and manifests a dialogue amongst those looking to make a change. My name is Josh Kim, and I'm a journalist and photographer best known for my creative work across the sports landscape. And I'm sitting down with athletes, sports professionals, and coaches alike to talk about their own personal correlations between sports and mental health. Please be advised that the content discussed in this podcast contains mature subject matter and that listener discretion is advised. Episode 13 brings with it my conversation with Dan Gladman, an award-winning producer who's worked with the CEBL, Sportsnet, and CBC, among other networks. Dan is best known for his work with MLSE, producing every Toronto Raptors game for the past 10 seasons for both Sportsnet and TSN. His work with the Raptors has taken him across North America and culminated with their championship at the end of the 2019 season. Now back at CBC working on Road to the Olympic Games, Dan joins me on the podcast to talk about his mindset behind producing, how the sports landscape has changed since he first entered the industry, and some of the most notable stories from his career so far. As I said off the top, another amazing guest joins me on the 13th episode of the Get Your Head in the Game podcast, Dan Gladman. He's an award-winning producer who's worked with the CEBL, Sportsnet, and CBC in a variety of production roles. He's best known for his work at MLSE, producing almost every Toronto Raptors game over the past 10 seasons for both TSN and Sportsnet. And today, he's back with CBC working on Road to the Olympic Games. Dan, it's great to have you here talking mental health and sports. And before we get things going, I want to ask, how are you? How are you doing as we continue this crazy life at home? Uh, I mean, yeah, you're you're right, Josh. And first of all, thanks for thanks for having me on today. It's great to be to be talking to you, my my colleague now. Um, yeah, it's mental health has has been a challenge, and I think it's it's a you know it's a very individual uh, thing for people right now. It's it's uh, something that everybody has to deal with, and maybe the one thing uh, that's maybe going to be a benefit out of this this crazy time is that maybe people are going to start taking mental health uh, more seriously, not only for others, but for themselves. It's something that individually, I think, can be, can be worked on individually, but a lot of it is about awareness. And, you know, I'm not claiming to be any sort of, of expert in the topic, but I think that more people than ever are aware of the importance uh, of mental health and the fact that it really can affect literally every single human being, it can come out of nowhere, it can come at any point in your life. And there are techniques and skill sets, and I guess medicines to, to help everybody deal with it. And, and hopefully it's, it's something that everybody can come to terms with uh, moving forward in, in our lives. Totally, you couldn't be more right about that. I mean, this whole pandemic has placed a strong emphasis on mental health as a whole. And like you just said, everyone's become so laser focused on it, which has actually been quite beneficial for a lot of people. And I've certainly seen the positive results from that. So my first question is the first question that I ask everybody on the show. You kind of answered it in your opening uh, segment there. You, I, I, I ask every guest, why is mental health important? I feel like that really kickstarts the dialogue, like I've said on previous occasions. So why is mental health important to you? Well, it, it for me personally, it, it just... Um would keep me grounded. Um, it, it, I, I feel like I'm someone who is kind of intense, um, somewhat emotional, um, but I, I'm very laser focused in my life on my work. So um, there's, you know, for me to, to be at my best, not only in terms of performance with work, but just 
emotional stability and emotional happiness. Um, I have learned through the years that mental health for me is, is critical. And that, you know, that includes uh, doing things that keep me happy away from work. And in the scenarios where I might need a little bit of help, um, I'm not afraid or ashamed to, to go seek it, you know, whether that's uh, through a friend, uh, a contact professionally, family members. Um, I've, I've had a life coach before and, you know, I've read books about mindfulness and there's certain ways, uh, there's certain things that people can learn and you can come to trust that can help you. Um, you know, I, I don't mean to belittle it because I, I wouldn't say that I've suffered from it um, as much as other people. Um, but it's really important and key for me as an individual to keep myself balanced. And when things start to feel a little uh, less healthy, um, I seek out the, the techniques and people that have helped me in the past. Definitely. It's something that affects everybody. And it's just so important for anyone in any career or any field extending far beyond the sports industry. I've said that numerous times before. So before Diving into your career a little, producing is part of the sports industry that isn't talked about a lot. A lot of people don't even realize the work that goes on behind the scenes when a sports production is put on the air. What would you say is your process behind preparing for a production and what type of headspace do you get yourself in prior to supervising an event? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great question. And I and I agree with you. You know, you don't really hear a lot about producers, but when you think about television, um, you almost always think about the people on camera and in a way that is the way it's, it's supposed to be, you know, the people on camera are the focus, but anybody who is on, uh, on television in, in Canada and in the United States, and I'm sure the world over will tell you that they benefit from, from strong producing. Uh, so for me, um, my most important aspect of producing is in the organization um, preparation, um, trying to visualize things that are going to happen. And I mean, we're talking about live producing here, it, it, imagining and visualizing things that are going to happen and, and mentally preparing, um, how to, how I want to respond. And something I learned very early on, um, really when I, the first show I really produced would have been, uh, the, the Raptors pregame show, on uh, at the time Raptors NBA TV, it's now called NBA TV Canada. And I, I produced the Raptors pregame show and the Leafs pregame show on, on Leafs TV. And what I learned was the more uh, organized I was right to, to the to every detail, the, the, the minute, the second, the topic, the detail, um, the better it was because that put me in a position to follow the script or um, to be able to make changes as necessary. You know, when you're on the air for a half, even a half hour, anything can change at any moment and you have to be able to adjust. But I find that by being organized, I'm better equipped um, to make a quick decision to, to change something. So if you're asking about process, um, I like to do as much as I can, even 24 hours out um, to have a, a format ready, to have research done, and to really have everything on paper and to, well, on a computer, and to be able to share it with everybody on the team so that they also have an idea what, what the direction from the control room is going to be, and they can base their preparation 
um, on what the plan is and, and they can offer their suggestions and possibly um, more uh, opportunities for them to, to, you know, get in what they want. So um, I, I think the process centers around organization and detail and trying to get as much of that done in advance, you know, preferably the day before in my, in my case. Yeah. Preparation is something that can, again, extends far beyond sports and it extends into all bunch of sorts of, of occupations and all that stuff. So that's, that's great to hear from your standpoint. That's great to hear for anyone who wants to get into producing and wants to understand the mentality that goes in behind producing itself. So if you guys don't know Dan already from what he just said, he was the lead producer for the Toronto Raptors for the last 10 years, producing both the Sportsnet and TSN broadcast for MLSE. What was going through your mind when that opportunity first materialized itself and looking back what are some of your most notable memories? That is something that a lot of people, well, well, definitely most people don't get to do, don't get to experience. I know you've done so many different things, so many incredible things that generate so many crazy memories that come to mind in photographs and, uh, and videos and all that. So what are some of your most notable memories from that opportunity? Well, I mean, to, to first uh, answer the part about how, when it materialized, I mean, um, when I started working at Toronto Raptors Network, as it was called in, in 2001, um, I was just so happy to be there. Uh, I was happy to be involved doing television, doing basketball, doing the Raptors, you know, things that at the time were the most important thing to me. And, and it wasn't until really a, one year in where I even became aware that the opportunity to be involved in the production of the game broadcasts was there. Um, my, uh, my old boss, John Shannon, who I, I recently saw were both teachers at the college of sports media. Um, he uh, worked out a deal where the Raptors broadcast would be, would be done in house and he would be in charge of them. So by by the 2002-03 season, I was the graphics producer um, in the Raptors truck, uh, which, you know, at that time in my life was, was the opportunity I had been waiting for. And it was a couple of years into that where I started to think, okay, if I put in my time and work hard and have a good attitude, I can put myself in position to be the leader here and, and be the producer. And, and sure enough, that opportunity came for me in... Uh, you know, the, the start of the 2009 season. And, uh, you know, it, it, it happened and then I did it for 10 years. So, you know, notable things, um, obviously the, you know, the NBA finals in 2019, but the, the whole thing, I mean, I, I'm thinking back on it even today because it, it's really two years ago that the campaign began. It was the middle of April, 2019, and it would, it would be two months uh, until the Raptors were crowned the champions of, of the NBA. And I just remember so many moments um, along the way, like a big uh, media get together party in uh, this really cool uh, kind of speakeasy bar in Orlando. Um, I remember going for brunch with Rod Black, Leo Routens and Matt Devlin at, uh, at the hotel in Milwaukee. Um, moments in, in Philadelphia, like discovering coffee shops that I loved there. And, and uh, I, had, I have a, a best friend there and a cousin who, who was living there at the time. And then, you know, being in San Francisco, the night they won, but even the nights leading up to it, you know, they got there early for time, you know, to adjust to the time. So there was 
there were some free hours and there were nights out for dinner with friends and colleagues and NBA people. And it, the, I, I think what I'm saying are, are a lot of moments away from the game, away from the court, the camaraderie, the friendships, the, uh, you know, the relationships that are built by, by the bond of being involved in this together. So um, there's just so many notable moments. And, you know, when you're traveling with, with an NBA team, other than the part about making millions of dollars and being famous, remove those, you kind of live life like a rock star on a private plane and nice hotels. And then you're just plopped into these cities. So I, I probably have a, a, a memory bank of time spent in, uh, in some of these American towns and even London, England, where the Raptors have played twice. Um, just incredible moments that, you know, I'll always carry with me. That's such a beautiful takeaway from just a career in general. I think a lot of people would want to have something like that where they have the friendship aspect along with the work that they're passionate about. So that's just a great takeaway from your career. So being with MLSE for a number of years, you were the producer behind the Raptors championship run, as you mentioned, where you did travel with the team, producing broadcasts on site, like you said, creating so many memories in a variety of cities across North America and overseas. From a mentality standpoint as a producer, what sort of impact did life on the road have on you? I know athletes get to experience it, pro athletes get to experience it on an almost daily basis where they're traveling between home and other cities. But from a producer standpoint, from a staff standpoint, what impact did that have on you personally? It, it was it was an extension of um, a life that I was already living and a life that I wanted to have since I was at least a teenager and maybe even younger. Um, I was fortunate enough that uh, my parents were able to take myself, my brother and my sister and me on, on little family vacations when I was a, you know, a child. Um, when I went to university, uh, I found myself um, making friends with people who like to get in a car and go to towns across America and go to sporting events and concerts. Um, I remember a, a, a particular day, it's probably like 1997, um, myself and three friends, we drove from Toronto to London, Ontario, where we picked up a friend and then drove on to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And in the afternoon, we went to a football game at the big house. Tom Brady was the backup quarterback for University of Michigan at the time. He didn't even play. Um, and so that was an experience right there to be at a, a college football game with 110,000 of your best friends. And then in the evening, uh, we went to see this rock band called Mo at a, a, a pub in town called the Blind Pig. So it was already this um, lifestyle that I was enjoying. I loved going on the road and being with friends and enjoying, you know, sports and arts and music. To be able to do that professionally, you know, when someone's paying the tab for you to get to travel and go to these places, um, first of all, it's a great life experience. And it was just something that was ingrained in me. And it was something I always wanted to do. What happens, and to more answer your question, I hope, as a producer, you, I think you're more aware of the surroundings when you're into your storytelling. So... It's one thing to, you know, do a game broadcast, let's say Cleveland, you know, because New York, LA, that's too easy. Let's say we're in Cleveland. You can't escape the fact that the team you're telling the stories about 
they're here in Cleveland. They're part of what's happening in that city that night. And I think it would be unfair to the viewer to not include that in the storytelling. And that, you know, at the basic level, you'll see scenic shots, you know, here's downtown Cleveland, here's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, here's, here's the lake, here's the, the snowy weather, which is probably what you're going to get when you're in Cleveland during the NBA season. But, um, you know, the teams there, and it's, it's part of their experience being in Cleveland, not being at home, and maybe being in the city where, you know, maybe Kyle Lowry had a great game in Cleveland five years ago. You want to be able to tell that story. You want to prepare and have some backup video for it, historical footage to, to prove the point. And then maybe through the show, you can talk about why he plays well in Cleveland. What, what, what inspires him? What, you know, I may, I'm making this up to use it as an example, but you know, the, the city you're in is always a part of the story for me in, in a sporting event. And I like to make sure that that story is being told and the best way to tell it from the producer perspective is to also be there. And in the time that you're there, you're soaking in that community and the vibrations of being in a place that's different from where you live. You know what? I've always been super curious behind those intro montages. That's actually really cool to hear how storytelling plays an impact wherever you are and depending on what city you're in. So that's great and a really unique aspect of producing in general. So switching gears a little bit, being based primarily in Toronto and covering the Raptors and producing all their broadcasts and stuff, which is Toronto is widely regarded to be one of the most notable sports markets in North America. With that in mind, is there a certain amount of pressure on production staff nowadays to create somewhat of a flawless production that will undoubtedly be seen by millions pretty much on a daily basis? A lot, a lot of things to comment on there, Josh. Um, first of all, I, I have to say this, and you know, you're way younger than me, so this might be a surprise to you and some of your some of your listeners. Toronto wasn't much of a sports town. Toronto was the city of losers when I grew up, you know, the eighties, <laughs> the nineties, things started to change when the blue Jays suddenly became good. And the, the Jays really were the first breakthrough in the, in the new era of sports to, to give Toronto something to be proud of. And that was in 1985. Of course, they, they lost their playoff series. It took them seven years then to get to the world series. But by the time they did 1992, when they won the world series, it, it was a shock when they won. It, it was just like for Toronto to win, you know, Toronto hasn't won the Stanley Cup since 1967. Here it is, 1992. Uh, my math's terrible. Is that 25 or 35 years later? Um, and Toronto wins the World Series. And in the early 90s, baseball, I'm not saying baseball isn't big now, but baseball was huge. And it was just such an accomplishment. And the, the city of Toronto, you, the, the streets were just flooded, okay? It, it was such a monumental um, experience and achievement for a Toronto team. Fast forward, you know, 2019. Now Toronto has grown in those 25 years into, you know, Toronto likes to think of itself as a world-class city now. And in a lot of ways it is. And that includes sporting the major league sports and sporting achievements from its professional teams. Now, how does that affect the pressure on a production crew? I can tell you that every production crew, every show 
goes in feeling the pressure. And the pressure is always to do a great job, to do a clean show, to impress the people you work with, to, to do right by the teams and the leagues that you're covering. Um, do I think there's any more or less pressure because we're in Toronto? I, I don't. Uh, I, I think that a crew that's doing, um, you know, I've, I've been at NBA Summer League. You know, those games don't mean anything but they're still being televised. There's still a, a production truck there. Someone is paying for a, a production and a broadcast and you just absolutely want to do your best job. So there's just always going to be a natural um, pressure to succeed. And as any producer gets more and more experience, gets better at the job, the pressure um, kind of can become something that you can enjoy and really to be perfectly honest to myself, the, the biggest pressure I feel is what I put on myself to, to do the absolute best that I can and put out a product that I would be proud of. Um, because if, if I'm not pleased with the product that I'm producing, I don't care what other people think. Um, I, I have to do it to my specifications, to the way I want it to look as if I was sitting at home watching a sporting event. So um, I, I just think that in, in television broadcast and in, in live production, I think there's going to be a pressure regardless of where you are, who you are. The, the end goal is always the same. The one thing, Josh, uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't use the word flawless. I, 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 I don't know that perfection, um, you know, you don't want to make a mistake, but to, to strive for a flawless show or for perfection, it's too hard. There's still human beings involved and there's going to be mistakes. And I, you know, I had to learn that the hard way. I used to get really upset if somebody else made a mistake or if I made a mistake. And then you, you learn very quickly that the, it's all about how you recover from a mistake. It's, it's all about your bounce back. And if a mistake is made, how quickly and smoothly can you get past it and move on to the other thing? Because look, in a sports contest, the athletes are making mistakes too. No, nobody, nobody is flawless. No one is perfect. So I, I would never um, try to, uh, you know, you want to minimize the mistakes. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it, you, you can't really expect to be, to be flawless every time you go out there. And when mistakes are made, you, you tolerate it, you move on, and hopefully it doesn't cost you your job. <laughs> that's definitely an interesting perspective and a really level-headed way of looking at that and i think for someone who's been in toronto where it wasn't so much of a hot spot for sports now with the city transitioning into being one of the hot spots for sports i think that definitely provides an interesting perspective from a sports personality landscape uh perspective so you know as you said in addition to your regular productions you've also had a variety of freelance opportunities working with cbc on the Pan Am Games, working with the NBA with their summer league in Vegas, like you just said, and now back with CBC, working on Road to the Olympic Games. With all that experience now in your back pocket, what would you say are some of your biggest takeaways so far from your career, from both a mentality and execution production standpoint? I mean, uh, you have to be able to uh, be able to adjust. You have to be able to change. You have to roll with the punches. Um, I might've thought that I would uh, produce Raptors games for the rest of my career. I might've thought that at some point. Um, and then I was put into a position where things changed and 
I uh, felt and feel extremely fortunate to be getting opportunities um, to work with the CBC, uh, a channel as, as I was, I was speaking to my mom the other day about her father, my grandfather. And, you know, when I was six, seven, eight years old, he used to babysit on Saturday nights, you know, so my parents could go out and party. And I'm at home with Papa, my, my Hungarian grandfather. And what did we do? We watched Hockey Night in Canada. You know, at seven o'clock, CBC came on and it stayed on until uh, the little kid that I was fell asleep. And to now be in a position all these years later, 30, 35, 40 years later, to be able to contribute um, as a, a professional to and with the CBC is just a huge uh, opportunity for me. And it's something that I'm grateful for. To, to answer your question, you know, you, you have to be able to be, you have to be able to be flexible. Um, I produced basketball almost exclusively for 18 and a half years. I did in the summer, I, I did soccer. I did uh, Toronto FC games for about, I don't know, six, seven years in there. Um, and I played soccer as a kid, but I hadn't watched a lot of it. So I had to learn soccer. Now, flash forward, I'm at CBC on the weekends working on road to the Olympic games. And now I'm, I'm covering alpine skiing, uh, snowboard, half pipe, cross country sprint, bobsledding, sports that I've really only watched in the Olympics. And even when I watched it, it wasn't a concentrated watch. I didn't really know the names of the top 10. I didn't know what countries produce the best athletes in these sports. So um, right off the bat, I looked at it as a, an incredible opportunity for me to learn, to learn new sports, to learn different ways of producing live sports. And it was that um, part ability, but a lot willingness to make that change um, that helped me. And I would consider a huge, huge opportunity. Like I could never have considered myself to be producing a snowboarding show on road to the Olympic games. Next thing I'm working with Rob Snook and Craig McMorris and honestly having the time of my life doing it and pretty much forgetting about basketball because snowboarding suddenly which was never in my life is all of a sudden making me so happy to be involved with. Yeah, that's definitely a, a really perfect takeaway, a really reflective and positive way to look at the change that everyone goes through in their lives. And that's just a great way to wrap things up today. So Dan Gladman, he's an award-winning producer who's worked with CBC, Sportsnet, and MLSE, among other notable organizations in a variety of production roles. If you're a sports fan in Toronto, you've all but certainly seen his work broadcasted across countless networks. Be sure to catch new episodes of Road to the Olympic Games every Saturday and Sunday afternoon on CBC and on cbc.ca. Dan, I know you're quite still quite busy supervising a wide range of productions amid the pandemic, but I greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk mental health and sports. And I hope to see you around the studio sometime soon. Yes, I'm sure I will. Thanks for, uh, for letting me talk to you today, Josh. Great job. Welcome to Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, the site of the 2015 NBA draft. Dan Gladman, along with Leo Routens. And Leo, the draft has, has come a long way since you were drafted in 1983. Can, can you talk about that night, what it was like for you when you were drafted? Well, actually, I didn't want to come to New York for the draft. I figured I'm not going to. I've watched plenty of guys when they don't get called. I didn't want to be sitting there waiting just in case.